was brought, and it was a just a wonderful time of fellowship and enjoyment with family and friends and other people that uh, we haven't seen in a while. It's just a really good time to be together. So in case you see these things on the bulletin and wonder, should I go? Absolutely, you should go. It's a great time. And uh, so there are other things that will be happening as well. I know there's going to be a great time had today by the trustees right after the service because they have a meeting together. And um, so don't forget, trustees, you have a meeting today right after the morning service. October 23rd and 24th, Northeast Fellowship has a fall conference. Um, but October 29th, um, Cheryl has a little announcement to make about that and everything that will be going on. Uh, the trunk or treat, I'm not, I didn't give you a whole lot of information about that. The event was chosen after the meeting we had with the um, countywide law enforcement that um, Sheriff Quatrone set up and leaders of, in the county, um, faith leaders from different churches and different organizations. And the event kind of came out of that. Um, the event will include, I gotta read it or I'll just ramble for hours. The event will include some officers from our county to participate in the activities with us and they'll bring some fun of their own. I can't really let you know what that is yet until it's verified. Um, if you decide to do the trunk or treat and aren't sure what it is, you just decorate your trunk and we line everybody up so the trunks are out and um, kids go from trunk to trunk instead of going from house to house. They, so you decorate your trunk like you would decorate your house for Halloween. And you, you give out candy or treats or little toys or whatever you want to give out. Um, oh, I just rambled there, so let me find where I was. Some people do games, a little bit of a quick game, like a pin the tail on a donkey type of thing, like pin the nose on a scarecrow that you can do at your trunk or treat if you have a, a, a fall theme or, or something like that. You can feel free to do that so there's little games involved. Um, for this event, we ask that you avoid, oh, we want you to come to, uh, dressed up too. I like to dress up in costumes. I don't know. I'm kind of weird that way. So if you want to dress up in a costume, feel free, but we want you to avoid anything, you know, witches and demons and walking dead and vampires and things that are scary. Just, you can do a theme of a, um, here's some pictures up here of fall themes, but you can do themes from a movie, you can do, you know, animal theme, you can do, there's a million themes. If you want any ideas, look on Pinterest or look online, just do trunk or treat um, ideas and you'll find a million of them. Um, then you'll have to try to decide which one you want. <clears throat> um, between, I'm not sure how many kids will show up, but um, it's open to the Ripley community, so we're hoping to get kids to come up, and since they do a trunk or treat at the fire hall on Halloween, that's why we moved ours back, so it wasn't, we don't want to do a Halloween one, we did, did one on Sunday night for the afternoon for that reason, and, um, it's all to like get people to have rela build relationships with the church, the church and the law enforcement together, and um, then hopefully we can make inroads into how we can deal with some of the issues in our community, like you know um, substance abuse and that sort of thing, and they'll get to know us and the townspeople. So let me know if you are going to do a trunk, because we have to decide how we're going to uh, 
put them all in here. And if you, there's a bin out back if you want to bring candy. I'm, I'm saying we ought to, I don't know, two or 300 kids. You don't know. I don't want to run out of candy. So we want to make sure we have enough. If you want to give a donation, you can put it in the little box in the back. Um, and we'll be putting tracts and stuff out there in the bags. So we'll be buying some really nice ones for Halloween. So if you have any questions, just ask me. My number is in the phone book directory I would say too you know just make sure you have your facts straight for the time and the date and everything so if you're like oh well I, I, I would love to tell some people about this if you're at a football game or you're at a school event or whatever it is hey did you know that on October 29th from 2 to 4 this is what we'll be doing um, keep that in your memory put it on your phone as a reminder I have a reminder set on my phone that every time I pull into Westfield, New York, I should get a Diet Coke for my wife. <laughs> and it, uh, every time I drive it, it's like, ding! And I remember, and then I might call and say, hey, do you need a Diet Coke? And she'll say yes or no from there. But you can do that now with technology. You can say, hey, set a reminder for the 27th, the 28th, the 29th, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, we're going to do Trunk or Treat. It's, it's amazing what technology can do. Um, Church board meeting, um, is it going to be at 6.30, November 5th? Uh, don't forget Operation Christmas Child. There's still shoe boxes out there that you can take home. You can fill up according to the little uh, flyer that they have that tells you what you can fill them up with for a boy or for a girl. Um, and there's a national collection week for Operation Christmas Child on November 13th to the 20th, which is just over a month away. Um a new email address. You should have gotten an email. It should have popped up in your folder. If it didn't and you're used to getting emails from the church, check your spam and make sure that it's not just going right to your spam folder so that you can keep up. And if you don't have Facebook or you haven't been keeping up with Bethany Camp News, the gym floor is poured over there in the Strawberry Field House. They've been putting up walls. There's work days now from uh, all the way through November. You just call ahead and say, hey, I'd love to come and help work on the Saturday, and they'll make sure there's enough food for everybody and enough work lined up to keep people busy and moving. Go ahead, Jim. I happened to drive through there yesterday. We were over doing something else, and I stopped in. And the pictures that are on the website as of yesterday are nowhere near. The walls are, are virtually almost all up. Uh, there's a couple of sections, small sections that aren't, but they're laying down ready to just boost up and put. So yeah. that's going to go pretty fast when they just go. I can see trusses going very, very quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. And for those of you as well who've been praying for the Ben Sinks and were at different fundraisers and things like that, um, their building is moving ahead pretty well. Uh, they have everything but 10 trusses up, I think, right? And um, so that actually moved ahead, I think, a little faster than was expected at first. And is it Mr. Byler who's been? Yeah, so Mr. Byler's been doing a lot of that work and, and continues to offer it to do more for them, and the town has been great. Anything else you want to say about that? Or Okay. All right, so two thumbs up on that as well, just to keep you updated on their house. It is moving along. One other announcement, just so you know. Um, Josh decided he needed a week off. He's getting tired. So we have a special speaker next week. And he's coming out of Hamburg, so it's uh, somebody who's willing to fill the pulpit. Young fella, he'll get a chance to preach here. Come and hear him, see what you think. Okay, let's turn to him, number 324. It is glory just to walk with him.
<laughs> She's moving a little slow still, so. <laughs> Second Peter, we went through First Peter already a little while ago, and so we're just going to continue into that. Uh, but what is wonderful about the scriptures that we have is a lot of times the people who would write different books have spoken in either a number of different books or a number of different places, and Peter is no exception. So Peter has a number of different sermons or things that he preached to crowds of people in Acts. And so what I'd like to do is read you one of Peter's sermons or one of his uh, gospel presentations to the Jews there um, in, in Acts. So when you're listening and when you're reading scripture, you need to think about, okay, who is the audience? Who's the one speaking? Um, what does this have to do with the people there? How would they have taken it? Does it tell us how they take it? Uh, what's Peter's language? Is it harsh to the point? Is it flowery? Does he like puff everybody up and flatter them? Or does he just give it to them straight? Um, so what I want you to do is listen to this and then think, okay, this is the same Peter who wrote 2 Peter. Um, so it helps you kind of give more of who he is and what he's already been through when he writes and the persecution that he's seen and different things like that. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. I'll be using the Pew Bible if you want to follow along or just listen along. 
And basically what is happening is all the apostles together in the day of Pentecost, and there are Jews and people from all over the world coming together at once. And all the apostles start to speak, and they're speaking in the language of every single group that is there. Every single group. And these people make fun of them and say, hey, these guys must be drunk. Which is not the case, obviously, because Peter says it's not even nine o'clock yet, so why would I be drunk? Maybe at 9.05, but it's not even 9 yet. But that's the point. The point is, this is not what's happening. This is crazy. When you get drunk, you don't get more understandable. And he's saying, not only are we more understandable, you hear me in your language, you hear me in your language. We are counting them up, and it's over 12 different languages. So it's not necessarily that one apostle spoke this language or one apostle spoke... But in fact, it was way more than that that people were hearing in their own language. So Peter stands up then to address the crowd. Peter stands up with the 11, raises his voice and addresses the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I have to say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I want to pause there just for a second. Peter knows his crowd, and he knows that these are Jews who know the scripture. And so he's not just going to talk off the top of his head, but he's going to bring them back to their own scripture that they've been studying because they cannot argue with it. And he's going to open it up for them. This is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Even that verse 21, you see, we hear the gospel and we hear, yes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we think that's New Testament. That's Old Testament is the same. If you call upon the God of Scripture, you will be saved. If you put your faith in him, you will be saved. Hebrews 12 goes through a list of Old Testament people who have put their faith and trust in God and in his promises, and they will be saved. So people are hearing this and they're going, okay, my Old Testament is talking about future events. Here's one. They're prophesying and speaking in our language. And if we would call upon the name of the Lord, we can be saved as well. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Pause there. What he is saying here is Jesus was handed over to you not because you are strong, smart, powerful, awesome, wicked, purely, but because of God's, what does it say? Purpose and foreknowledge with the help of wicked men. Meaning God used you to accomplish his purpose even in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Holy One. God used them and uses you and uses all people however he will for his glory. And you can't get away from it in scripture. It's everywhere. 
This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, pause again. What is he doing? He's saying, here's Joel, you know him. Here's David, one of your favorite kings. Here's what he said about Jesus. He said, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. People are going, yeah, yeah, David said that. David said that. Yes, that's true. David said that. And then Peter expounds on their scripture and says this. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here. What he's saying is David died. He's buried. His tomb's right, right there. Everybody knows where it is. So this can't be talking about him. Because, because David's body has seen corruption. His body is still there. Saying, but he, David, was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ. So even when David was speaking in the past, he was speaking of Christ. This is what Peter's doing, tying it back for the Jews. Even in the Old Testament, Christ was there. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. Where is Jesus in the tomb? He's not there. This scripture, David's prophecy, spoke of Christ. And these Jews are listening to this. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. So he's saying, you guys were all there when Christ was crucified, most of you, in different aspects. You heard about him, you saw him, you were literally there yelling, crucify him. But he is exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and what you hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said this, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. He's saying David, again, is not talking about himself. David didn't go to heaven, but Jesus did. The Lord said to my Lord. The Lord Jesus said to my Lord. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? The reason why they're so nervous is they're realizing now, oh my goodness, we killed the Messiah. We killed the one sent by God, the one we were waiting for, the one David talked about. We have killed him and we are guilty. What shall we do? Because they know for sure they are done for. This is what they're realizing. Oh my, like terrifying. Because before they thought, we are doing God's work in killing Jesus. He's blaspheming God. He should be up on that cross. And now they're realizing they have killed the Holy One. What should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are for, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
This is important here. Because Peter talks about the calling of God over and over and over again, actually, in 1 Peter and in 2 Peter we'll look at today. What he's saying is, this promise is for all those who are called. Not everyone is called. And that's an important distinction that will be made in the future as well. But notice the joy in here as well. This promise is not just for you, and it's not just for your children, but it's for all those who are even far off. Not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, but those of all different walks of life, all different statuses. This promise is for you as well. Turn your hymn books to 305. (coughs) Hymn number 305. Deeper and deeper.
Sing worship songs. Are there any prayer requests or praises? We should pray for Israel because they're under attack. Okay. Yep. It's a battle going on over there again. seen that on the news and certainly something you want to pray for. Israel's a huge part of God's program. So, okay, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, you are the God who we love and cherish. You're the God who created all things. You're the awesome God who loved and sent a Savior to the world, your Son. You have worked to draw us into your family. You have called us into your family. You love us and cherish us. You're with us every moment. And, and it's to you that we come and we thank you for the many blessings you give to us. We have gratitude for our lives, for our fellowship with you, for those that you have given us to love and who love us. We're grateful for this church family and and how you have allowed us to fellowship together and to continue to live for you and love you. We pray that today as we hear your word, we would hear that truth in your word, that we would listen to the words of your scripture, and that, Lord, we would respond to that. We're grateful for the way you raise us up and try to help us to grow. We do, Lord, wish to live more and more like Christ. Lord, there are many things that concern us, our, our own country and the way it's going, and uh, more and more sin becomes more prevalent as people decide what is right in their own eyes. Help us to live faithfully close to you and, and drawing a definite boundary compared to the world that they might see what it is like to live with you and in fellowship with you. Lord, we think of the battles going on around the world, but especially one in Israel. And Lord, we pray that this would be an awakening for those Jews who are striving to live for you and for other Jews who are not at that spot right now. But Lord, that you would be working through these battles to draw people to you, to make them aware of your presence. Lord, there are many who are visiting that need your protection, and we would pray that you would do that even as people visit in places like Israel and other places where there are battles going on and they just need to be protected till they can get home. So, Father, we're grateful. We're grateful for the blessings. We're grateful for the weather you give us at times um, that just allow us to have a wonderful time at a wedding or at something else 
We do pray for Heidi and her husband and their marriage and uh, just pray that that'll be something that they work at and that you bless richly. Lord, we're so, we so just want to praise you today. You've given us so much and even though things may be difficult at times, we're aware that you are present in our lives. You are an amazing God. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. The first song will be I, not I am a, crown him, crown him.
sharing your story. My story.
Father, thank you for the reminder of who you are. To remember that you are the sovereign God who loves us, has made a way for us to have a relationship with you. And then, because of the resurrection of Christ, you have a place forever for us with you. Thank you for all those amazing truths the, the scripture allows us to hold on to to know the reality. Indeed, if the truth sets us free, if the sun sets us free, we're free for real. Thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Those ages four to seven, dismissed to junior church. There are some clipboards with red paper and pencils that We've been reading in 2 Peter. We read all of 2 Peter, and then uh, we read one of Peter's sermons this morning, and we know ahead of time last week that what Peter is trying to do is trying to build a foundation for your soul. He's trying to build a foundation for you in Christ so that when you come up against false teachers and false doctrine, things that are untrue, that you will be able to stand. I love the last song we just said, Who You Say I Am. It's such a good song for this message especially um, because what he's trying to do is say, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who Christ is. This is who God is. And this is what fake looks like. And that's going to come out big time in 2 Peter chapter 2. But for now, he is building a foundation in your life and the life of all those that he's writing to about who you are in Christ and the promises that are for you and for your children and for those that are far off. It's important as we go through the scripture that you remember these things and that you bring them to mind and that you apply them to yourself. If you are in Christ, no one can take you away. From Christ. No one can separate you from the love of God. That is it. You are in it. You are stuck to a certain extent, and you should be happy and grateful that you are there. And you will be happy and grateful that you are there. There's a hope that is unshakable when you realize that, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
Not only that, but you did not get you in love with God. And we'll look at that again today. Last week we looked at 2 Peter chapter 1. I'll just catch you up for anyone who wasn't there. This is written by Simon Peter. He's a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter's saying to the people, you have the same faith I do. Just because I'm apostle doesn't mean that you do not have the same uh, salvation, the same righteousness of Christ. When I stand before God, God sees Christ, and he will see it for me, and he will see it for you, and he will see it for you. So be careful as you judge one another, because your righteousness is the same for each one of us. It's Christ, and it's perfect. It's flawless. It's gracious. It's unmerited righteousness. You did not earn any righteousness on your own. There is no righteousness apart from Christ. So he says, may grace, may peace be multiplied to you more and more. You're going to need it as these people creep in more and more. His divine power, verse 3, this is the new section of scripture that we're getting to here in 2 Peter. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Why is this so important for them? Because the same thing happens to all of us. We think that Jesus has given us some things that pertain to life and some things that pertain to godliness. There's this book that was like big time a little while ago. It was called The Secret. And people still follow it to this day. A lot of prosperity preachers and stuff are all about this power of positive thinking. But it goes even further than power of positive thinking to saying that you are God, in fact. And salvation is when you realize that you are God. So again, The Secret was like a big book, then it was like a big movie, and what it was doing is bringing Hinduism into the church, but using all of our language. Redemption in this book, your redemption, is not when you realize you're a sinner in need of a savior to be redeemed, but when you realize that you are in fact yourself God and you have forgotten. That you yourself can speak good things into your life. Are you sick? It's because you have not spoken health into your life. Are you poor? It's because you have not spoken, because you are God, if you would just recognize it. This is how it creeps in, because you think that all things have not been given to us that pertain to life from God. Some things have, but not all things. And what Peter is saying is the foundation of your faith is all wrapped up in Christ. You have everything you need here. Don't go to them. When they offer you something different than Christ, do not go. When they offer you something different than what the apostles have preached, do not go. Everything you need for life and for godliness is here. They will tell you, climb that mountain, give that money, do that thing, say these 12 prayers, crawl on your knees, sacrifice your children, sacrifice your job, whatever it is, then you'll reach godliness. Then you will have life, and it is a lie. Everything that you need for life is in Christ. And everything that you need for godliness is here. And Peter is giving them a foundation for their life. They need to hold on to that because people are creeping into the church. And they need to be able to say, no, 
We have everything we need right here in Christ. His righteousness is enough. His godliness is enough. His holiness is enough for me. And he is patient with me. And he is growing me in holiness. And he is growing me in godliness. And he is growing me in patience. And he is growing me in all the ways necessary. Each and every one of you is at a different place in your journey with Christ. And you are exactly where he would have you to be. You say, well, I'm also doing these 12 sins. You're actually doing 469,000 sins that you don't know about. Well, could God still love me because of this sin? Uh, He loves you while you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and yet he made you alive in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. You will never be perfect You are striving with your hand in the hand of Christ. And he is patient with you. He is forgiving with you. He knows your struggle. He knows your justification and your lying to yourself that this sin's okay, that's okay. He understands. It's so funny how often my kids try and lie to me about what they've done. Well, I know full well they're lying, and they keep trying. And you think that you can lie to God about your sin and get away. It's even more foolish. When my kids start lying, I laugh. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, God does the same thing with me. You cannot pull a fast one on God. But we tend to think that his divine power is granted to us some things that pertain to life, some things that pertain to godliness. But if I would just stack a few more things on top, then I would have the life I need and the godliness I need. Peter's saying you have everything in Christ. Through God's divine power, we have the scriptures. Through God's divine power, we have Christ's life, death, and resurrection. We have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We have the Son interceding for us. What better advocate could you ask for than Christ himself? What better prayers could you pray than those that the Holy Spirit prays on your behalf when you don't know what to pray? You have everything you need for life and godliness in Christ. Do not run away to these other things that these false teachers will bring to you. The same power that holds the stars in the sky keeps our planet moving, has been applied to our lives as well and to our salvation. We were reading this morning in Sunday school and we were going through more of Peter. It's actually fun if you continue from where I left off and continue on. Peter is walking with another disciple and he sees a beggar on the side of uh, the road next to the temple where everybody goes day in and day out. And it says that his family or people carry him every day and set him there. Every day. This guy's 40 years old. And every day, someone's carried them there. Someone's carried him there. Someone's carried him there. And the disciples come by, and this guy doesn't even look up, but he's begging like he does every day. And the disciples stop, and they look at him, and they say, look at me. So they look at him. They don't ignore him like everybody else. If you've ever been in the city and people are begging, a lot of times you're just like, okay, just walk by. Don't even look. Don't make eye contact, because if you do, then they're going to follow you. It's going to be a whole thing. They're going to want more. They're going to tell their friends. You're going to have a herd of people follow. Like, whatever it is. But this guy's been begging so much. And yet these disciples at this time, they stop. 
They say, look at me. And instead of looking down, saying the same thing he said for the last 40 years, he looks up. And they say, money, we don't have. Like, we got nothing to give you except this. Stand up and walk. And so it says this. He jumps up. It doesn't say he, like, slowly tests his legs and he, like, gets himself under himself. If you've ever broken anything, we talked to with the kids, your legs and arms, they just shrink up like this and atrophy so small. But this guy was healed so dramatically and so completely that he just jumps right up. Even the Pharisees later say that he had such a complete healing, they cannot deny it. Not like a partial healing, not like, well, my back feels a little bit better today. Oh, you know, and then the next day it's right back again. Jumps up, no denying it. Runs in, no denying it. Not like he goes home, he kind of like works things out. Immediately, he displays himself to everybody. You cannot keep him quiet. He is dancing so much. And he's running around and he's latching on to the apostles. And they say to, to Peter, they say, you need to be quiet. You cannot preach in this name anymore, this Jesus. But then they're also like, but also we can't argue with the fact that you just healed this 40-year-old man. But then if you remember, there was a time when a man was let down through the roof and he was paralyzed. And you know exactly what he wanted from God, to be healed just like that man. And Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven you. And he stops right there. And everybody freaks out and says, who are you to forgive sins? Because that is how much power and how much more powerful it is than to make a man walk. To forgive sins is, requires more power than the whole universe can contain. How do I know? Because Christ had to bear the wrath of God on himself on the cross. That is the greatest amount of power ever shown on earth. To make the universe, to make the stars, to make you, whatever. To forgive your sins required Christ to bear the whole weight of the fury and wrath of God for you. To offer the greatest amount of forgiveness that has ever been given. And then they're like, well, you don't have the power or authority to forgive sins. And he goes, oh yeah? Stand up, take up your mat, and walk. And the guy gets up. What you have in your salvation is the greatest act of power of God, of forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. You have everything you need in Christ. Do not go anywhere else. It's all right there. There is nowhere else to turn. To whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life, is what Scripture says. We don't need one God for this part of my life. See, back in the day, they would have had like just a million gods. The God for rain, the God for food, the God for wheat, the God for the field, the God for... Everything's right here, is what Peter's saying. Don't go here. Everything's right here in Christ. Therefore, if someone should come preaching another gospel or another God, do not go there. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Like I said before, this is repeated constantly throughout scripture. 
It is God who calls you first. It is God who wakes you up first so that you can then repent and believe. The whole sermon I gave you before from Peter ends with to those who God has called. Those who have not been called will not repent and they will not be baptized and they will not believe. says, through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and his excellence. There's a kind of knowing that the Bible talks about in relation to Jesus Christ. You see, the demons, they know God, but not in the same way you do. They know about him. They have seen him, but he is not their father. He has worked no salvation in their souls. He has not adopted them as sons or daughters. Not only that, but they tremble in relation to God. They know their God, but they do not worship him as Lord. There are people who have been called by God, and it's these people that know God, and Peter is talking to those people. Because if you have been called by God, then you are a Christian. There is what's called a general call. That means that God is calling everyone everywhere to repent and to believe. But there's what's called an effectual calling. Meaning that if I call you by name, you will come. Scripture says, my sheep, they hear my voice, and they answer me. They come to me. He said, you are not of the sheepfold. If you were, you would have believed in me. But you don't believe in God because you don't believe in me. Romans eight twenty eight through 30 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Pay attention. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorifies. And there is no might in between those words. It does not say, those whom he predestined, he might call. Those whom he calls, he might justify. Those whom he justifies, he might glorify. He does it, he does it, he does it. Beginning to end, salvation is of Christ. In Peter's first letter, 1 Peter 2, 9-10, he says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were in darkness, and he has brought you out into his light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people, Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You were in darkness, and God came and found you, if you are a Christian. There is no one who seeks after God, no, not one. There are no halfway Christians. You are a Christian, you are not, or you are never will be. John 6, 35 to 44 says this. Jesus is speaking and he says this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. 
And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So whoever comes will not hunger or thirst. Whoever believes in me never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. He's talking to the Jews there. Verse 37. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This should be joy to you. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will never, ever, ever be cast out. Do you repent of your sin and put your trust only in Christ? That does not go away. You have been stamped. Jesus continues, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given to me. This is important. This is the will of him who sent me. Jesus is saying this. The will of God, the one who sent me, this is his will, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me. And what's he talking about? He's talking about people. Jesus is saying, I will lose not one person that the Father has given me to save. If you do not believe that, then Jesus has failed miserably. Because there's a lot of people who will not be saved. All that the Father has given Jesus Christ to save, he will save, and he will save them completely. And he will lose none of them. Jesus is not a failure. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered, don't grumble among yourselves. Pay attention. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He says straight to the Jew's face, you will never come to me unless God has drawn you to me. You will never come to me unless God has called you to me. And you will never believe in me unless God has made you to believe because I lose none of those who the Father has given to me. Not one. And that should be a great constant hope and companion for you if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ if you have said yes I need a savior Jesus you are my only hope then you have said that because God has called you completely because the power to put the stars in the sky and raise Jesus from the dead has saved your soul and nothing can separate you from the love of God not one thing Jesus continues, and then in verse 60, he says this. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying, talking about eating my body and drinking my blood. But Jesus, knowing in himself the disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, Do you take offense at this? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Because it's the Spirit who gives life, but the flesh is no help at all. The Spirit of God is what gives you life. 
you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Spirit gave you life. The flesh, your flesh, your body, zero help in that. Zero help. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Pay attention to this. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said this, This is why I told you, no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. No one unless it is granted by the Father. No one. God has not called you to your glory. He has not called you to your full potential. He has called you to his glory and his excellence. We are to come more like Christ as we grow. We give more and more glory to God for any good that we have done. Verse 3 says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and to his excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. We have not earned these precious and great promises. He has granted them to us. Like being granted entrance into a place. He has granted it to us. What are some of these promises? Philippians chapter 1 verses 6 says this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If God has began a work in you, he will bring it to completion. You will not fall away. You will not desert God. You will continue to follow. That is a promise. Romans 5, 1 through 10 has a whole list of them. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that is a promise of God. You have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. That's a promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into his grace. You have access by faith into his grace, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. We know that suffering produces endurance. That's a promise. Endurance produces character, a promise. Character, hope, a promise. Hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. If you would have love poured into your hearts, repent and trust in Christ. Call on Christ to save you. Repent and believe the gospel. Be baptized. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, that is a promise. So in case you're wondering, if I'm a Christian, have I been justified? Yes, promise, you've been justified. Not by your blood, not by your sacrifice, but by his. 
much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Promise, you will be saved from the wrath of God. When you stand before God and judgment comes, you will not face the wrath of God. It's been faced by Jesus already. He bore the cup of God's wrath. For if while we were enemies with God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So you were reconciled to God. You used to be an enemy with God. You have been reconciled. Promise you that. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God is no longer your enemy. He is for you. He wants you to do great things. I want my children to do great things. I am for them. The things I give them, they may not like as far as discipline, but that discipline is for them. The gifts I give them is for them. I do not want to give them gifts that hurt them. I don't want them to ask me for things that will hurt them. I want them to ask for good things, and I will love, absolutely love, to give them all the good things. God is so much better than me at knowing what I need, when I need it, and joyful to give it to me when I ask according to his will. Happy to do it. He continues and says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, through his precious and very great promises, through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. If you have put your faith in Christ, these promises are for you. The divine nature he's talking about is you now have the Holy Spirit living in you. You now can live to please God. You see, Scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whether you're Muslim or whether you're Catholic or whether you're Hindi or whatever you are, it's impossible to please God unless you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. If you have said no to everything else that does not have life and yes to Christ, then you are taking part in his divine nature But if you have not, then you do not have life. You should not have peace. You should be terrified. None of these promises are for you. The only promises you have are wrath, suffering. Everything bad that happens to you is punishment, not discipline. And there's a big difference. This is your life. This is it. This is all you get. And then suffering beyond what you can imagine. That's God's promise to you. If you do not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, and you deserve it. We have all lied. We have all lusted. We have all stolen. We have all been impatient. We have not loved God first. We have not loved our neighbor as ourself. And the list of sins is incalculable. And so our promise to those who do not believe, is not good. But the promise for those who do not believe is that if you would see the goodness of God, and if that would leave you to, lead you to repentance, meaning that you turn away from those things that you had put your hope in to save you, and now you have one hope, which is Jesus Christ, 
You see that there is no other way that I could be saved but Jesus Christ. There is no righteousness of my own. And if you would seek Christ and say, God, you are my only hope. I believe Jesus Christ, he died to save sinners. And he rose from the dead. And he lives forever to intercede for his children. And he will come again one day. You will be saved and those promises are for you and for your children and for those who are far off. And this is what you have to offer in the gospel. All of these things, all of life, all of godliness, all of peace and all of mercy and all of comfort and all of forgiveness. This is what you have to offer when you offer the gospel to people. And it is not your job to convert anybody. It is your job to say, he is wonderful. You need forgiveness. And there is only one place where you can get forgiveness, and that is Jesus Christ. Because right now, the promises for you are not good. But you can have these promises should you repent and believe. As Peter said, as Jesus said, as the apostles said, So, so that you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. There's a corruption that's in the world, and as you live, it continues to just wear away. We know in western New York, your car is under corruption. <laughs> just getting eaten away and eaten away and eaten away until, oh, no longer passing any sort of inspection. What this is saying that you have escaped from that corruption when you come to Christ. Now your soul is being changed. The impossible is happening. The rust is fading away. You have a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, a new desire, a new calling, a new direction. That would be great if my vehicle could do it. But even better, that it's been done for my soul. You as a Christian now have escaped corruption and now you are growing in Christ. That is your trajectory until one day you are with him. And it is God who began it. It is God who sustains it. It is God who finishes it from beginning to end. So when I sing any of these songs, none of them are God did most, but Josh did some as well. Glory to Josh. It is 100% glory to God. I would still be laying on the floor dead. I would still be blind and deaf. I would still be lame. I would still be laying on a mat, sitting before Christ. Or I would be jumping around, thinking I was headed to a good place. When in fact, none of the promises were for me, other than my own damnation. It is because of Christ that I have hope and that I live and that I have escaped corruption of the world. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, the only thing that I brought to Christ, the only desire that I had before Christ was my own sinful desires. Even should I give good things to my wife, it was out of my own self-righteousness. Even though I should be a great philanthropist, it was because of my own self-righteousness. Now in Christ I know that every good work and every good deed, and every good thing 
comes down from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift is from above, and that's it. And so when we give, we give because of God. When we're patient, it's because of God. When we forgive, it's because of God. When we love, it's because of God. 100% glory to God. 100%. No ifs, ands, or buts. That is it. All glory to God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for Peter, his faithfulness to you, but most importantly, your faithfulness to him. He denied you so many times. He ran away scared. He was so confused often, but you prayed for him that he would not fall away. You offered him forgiveness over and over. You used him to speak the gospel. You used him to preach to the Jews. And thousands and thousands and thousands were and continue to be added because of your work through him. And he would give you all the glory today, and he does today, and we do today, for all the work you have done in our lives from beginning to end. In Jesus' name, amen. Turning hymn books to 306. Song fits the message pretty well. Complete in thee. 306. Let's sing this song together. <clears throat> Complete in thee, no work of mine may take, dear Lord, the place of thine. Thy blood hath pardoned but for me, and I am now complete in thee. Yea, justified, O blessed thought, and sanctified salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardoned but for me, and glorified I too shall be. Complete in thee, no more shall sin. Thy grace hath conquered, reign within. Thy voice shall bid the tempter flee, and I shall stand complete in thee. Yea, justified, O blessed thought, and sanctified, salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and glorified I too shall be. Complete in thee, each one sublime, and no good thing to me denied. Since thou my portion, Lord, wilt be, I ask no more complete in thee. Yea, justified, O blessed thought, and sanctified salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardoned but for me, and glorified I too shall be. Dear Savior, when before thy bar all tribes and tongues assembled are, 
among thy chosen will I be at thy right hand complete in thee yea justified O blessed thought and sanctified salvation wrought thy blood hath pardoned but for me and glorified I too shall be Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for working in us to know your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the promises of your Scripture that give us all that we need to live for you. Help us, Lord, to grab hold of those things, those truths, and to most of all, be grateful and excited for the life you've given us. Help us as we go to give you honor and glory. We're so thankful to be part of your family. In Christ's name, amen. You are dismissed.